Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. Hey, what's going on? Coach Luca back here with the Vigor Life Podcast and a special guest today, my friend Andy McCloy. And um, rather than, you know what, I'm, I'm going to get a, a little bit of an intro, but uh, then we're going to jump into it. What I, what I don't like is doing like the whole... You know, um, five, six minutes of boring, like, who are you? Where uh-huh. are you from? Uh, but uh, Andy owns a sports performance spot down in Huntsville, Alabama. And actually, it's one of the top, I would say, places for I say high, high school, college, and even pros uh, to come train. Uh, they've become pretty much kind of like a, a, a somewhat of an institution um, down there. But like today, I, I, I want to talk to him about that but also about about a bunch of other stuff that i think is uh interesting because we don't want to be repetitive here there's not gonna be no repetitive stuff on on vigor life podcast um so to 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 kind of uh you know get it started you know the first thing that i want to talk about because your your background uh so let's just say that growing up you had some similar experiences like i have and that's kind of also what connected us um and and i like, take me through that. Okay, so because here's the thing. The, the point that I want to make is that, one, you know, people can change. Uh, this is a huge point that I try to make. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, uh, people can change. And it's important to, you know, share our stories so that, pe- you know, so that it's kind of like, wow, like, maybe I'm going through the same thing. Like, I can I can make this shit happen. I can make amazing stuff happen. But I, so just, you know, run me back a little bit through, um, you know, that transitional phase of of when you were, uh, younger, getting in trouble, you know, doing crazy stuff to what was the breakthrough? What was the like the light that went on and said, I right, fuck this, I'm going to change stuff. Uh, and what inspired you and moved you to go into, uh, I'd say, sports performance? Um, uh, and, uh, you know, what was the clicker that went on? Yeah. And the things that happened in your life? OK, um, I mean, for me, like I started out really early on really addicted to like strength training and sports as a really young guy. Um, but growing up where I grew up, there was a lot of other things that I was interested in. And um, I just so happened to grow up in an area uh, right outside Washington, D.C., where um, the culture of let's, drug dealing was was really popular. Um, there was a huge allure like centered around that. So like growing up in my neighborhood, you you respected the guy that sold dope as much as the guy that was a good basketball player, football player that went to college. And that certainly skewed my value system, you know, as a young person. And um, also, like, I, I grew up in an area where, I mean, it was a mixed and diverse area, but I hung out in areas in a crowd where I was a minority. And um, I, I always wanted to kind of fit in. And this is in hindsight. I didn't know I was doing that. Um, and, and just through that process, I, I surrounded myself with people that pushed me into that world. And, you know, looking back on it, it was, it was something that was empowering at that time in my life. Um, and I mean, this started really early on. I mean, um, you know, it's funny now talking about this stuff openly makes me feel weird, but it is a part of Good. me and who I am. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, my father caught me selling crack at, you know, 15 years old, you know, I mean, like legitimately, you know, found a couple eight balls and a jacket and, um, you know, that you, I would like to say that that changed me, but it didn't, you know, it just kind of like validated, um, that I, I wanted to go deeper into that culture. And the things that started to change me was, literally friends dying and going to prison. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, the majority of my friends, you know, uh, have gone to prison and spent, you know, a lot of time in prison. Um, I've had multiple friends shot and killed. Um, you know, talk about the things that kind of like started to create a paradigm shift for me. Like this wasn't the way I wanted to be. Um, was two, two things. One, uh, there was an area in the city that we used to go to where we knew people where we would pick up packages. And, um, a friend of mine went up there, a guy that we call straights, but, uh, he went up there. Um, the, the people he normally dealt with weren't there. Uh, so he ended up going to another spot where he knew these Jamaican guys. Long story short, uh, he got his head blown off. And, um, you know, going to that funeral and seeing how it affected everybody, like that that started to plant a seed. But, like, it still wasn't enough. It still wasn't enough to be like, all right, this is stupid. I don't I don't want to live this way. Um, it just, you know, planted a seed. Like, all right, man, this, this game is a lot more um, dangerous than I was giving it credit for. And then ultimately, and I was telling some guys this the other day, and I'm probably going to talk about this when I go to Strength Faction, like one of the things 
that I remember vividly made me move. Uh, when I moved from the Washington, D.C. area down to Alabama, that was me saying, I'm changing my life for forever. Um, and this was like early 2000, 2001, some, somewhere around so How old were you then? 21. 21-ish. Okay. Yep, yep, maybe 22. Um, but uh, we had gotten in a fight with the—we were we used to beef with these different crews, right? Mm -hmm. And we had gotten a fight with these guys, and um, they basically started talking about they were going to kill me. Um, and, uh, at that stage in my life, I didn't, you know, people yeah. talk like whatever, you yeah. do what you're going to yeah. do. Um, but it got back to me and really I felt kind of secure because see by this time, <clears throat> my parents were living in Alabama. I was living down in the projects in an area called Indian head with my daughter's mother. Yep, um, we were right yeah. down 210, right outside DC. And, um, you know, I basically it got back to me through one of her friends, uh, or actually through her sister that one of her friends had told this guy that we were beefing with, like where I lived exactly, like which house was mine, where I was in the projects. And th these were not people that were talkers. I mean, these were people that were really doing stuff. And um, basically, long story short, that night, I remember uh, moving my daughter's crib into the hallway and I got mattresses and I put mattresses around her crib because if they shot up the front of the house, that's where my room was. So I didn't want her there. Her bedroom was on the back side of the house. And obviously if they shot up the back side of the house that, and I just remember that morning too, like when I was taking the mattresses, I was like, man, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, um, you know, I'm putting my child in this situation. I'm putting my daughter's mother in this situation. I'm putting myself in this situation. And, uh, shortly thereafter, you know, I called my father and was just like, look, I got to get out of here. Um, you know, some other things happened. I got in a fight at one of the gyms that I was, uh, working in, uh, kind of protecting a friend and, um, it, it just, it was kind of like the perfect storm. Everything started to become real to me. Like, this is not a sustainable lifestyle. This is not like who you really are. This is who you're trying to be because of the significance that comes with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and another thing, I mean, one of the things that really helped me change was reading Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins around that time. One of the clients I had at a, a gym in Greenbelt, because at that point in time, I was the director of nutritional services for a company called HBI Fitness. So, so, so you were, so you were already, I was in, already in the fitness in the industry. Fitness. Like, okay. I mean, literally I, I mean, I've been in the fitness industry my whole life. It's like the only job I've ever had. Um, you know, I did some government contracting work or uh, I'm sorry, insurance contracting work for a friend of mine's dad, uh, like framing and, you know, roofing and stuff like that. Uh, I worked at a Foot Locker. Like outside that, it's been all fitness. Um, and, uh, you know, I used to go around to all these different gyms and, um, you know, it just, it, it was a big time in my life. And, um it started to show me that like I can change, I can be better. And, and this one client at, in, in Greenbelt, she kind of knew that I had this desire to change and be better. And she could tell I was rough around the edges. And she gave me that Awaken the Giant Within book. And I remember reading, like I, just, I probably read a couple hundred pages the first night I had it. And that played into this seed to me that like, I can change. Like I don't have to be this person. The reason I am who I am, like it just, it really opened my eyes. And uh, then when I got out to Alabama, it was just like a culture shock. It kind of forced change into my life. And I would love to say that I straightened up real fast, but I didn't. Um, it just still took a while to like shake that stuff out of my system. Mm -hmm. um, but now, you know, like all my friends that are coming home from prison, all my friends that have been involved in the game at a really high level, like they have a lot of respect for me because of not being involved in it and creating another way. And that's a big part of what we do at BCI because, you know, that, 13 to 13 to 19, right? We deal with a lot of kids that age. And at that period of my life, I went through so many things, you know, almost died twice, a lot of stuff. And if I can help a kid skip the headaches that I went through or change his perception of what's cool, like, you know, with today's music and all the influences that kids have, like, again, the allure is very strong. It's different now. Like kids don't want to sell cocaine and crack. They want to sell Vicodins, lean, you know, really high quality wheat. Like that's kind of the new game. And kids like are really attracted to that. And in my facility, we deal with people that have expendable income. And I would find out that some of these kids, I mean, these are kids living in $800,000 homes that are selling weed or selling pills. And because of my experiences, I can go to that kid and say, hey, look, Slim, like this is not for you. Like, I'm just letting you know, like the reason you're doing this is to fill in some hole. You know, it's, this makes you feel significant because of how your peers view it. But that's not going to last. And sharing my experiences and my stories and some of my friends' stories, um, we've helped move a lot of kids away from that. 
and uh, they still come back. You know, I mean, a kid that we talked to at 16 years old came back to me now in his 20s and kind of told me how bad his problem got uh, when he was away from the gym. But he said all the conversations that we had were ultimately the thing that made him change. And to me, that's that's what I want to do. Like, that's what my life is about, you know, giving back, helping mentor people to not. But do you think that it was a lot lot of the what you went through because. I mean, you and you you work. We'll talk about this. You work with obviously, you know, general fitness population, you know, yep. sports performance on all levels. But I mean, you, you, I would say you you built your kind of like name and career around uh, sports performance and youth. Yep. Right. Yep. And but would you say that that like you kind of intrinsically were pulled that in that direction because you're like, man, like those those are the years that you can get mo- like you can mold somebody most, right? Yeah. And change something because if I mean, not not that you can't change when you're older, but I mean, it's when can, it's the most impactful. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're younger, you, you can impact somebody. So, I, I mean, that's one of like a couple of things that I, I hear and some things that I like to bring to light. One, you know, you said you made a bunch of changes, but like it, it, none of them were uh, or should I say, like it took time. Right. You're like, man, I'd like to you know, I like to say that everything changed, but it didn't. Right. But yeah. but you chip away at it. And I think that's what a lot of people kind of think about is uh, uh, um you know, that stuff just shifts, right? You make a, I mean, and and you do, you make a decision. You're like, I'm done with this. Like I'm going to start changing, but change doesn't happen. It's just like with training. It doesn't happen by next week. And then all of a sudden, like you got, you know, you're, you're, you're the best and all your rituals are on point. Like, man, it it might take months or years or whatever. Got a lot of programming to get a lot of programming to get through. And 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 it's a process, you know? So, I mean, that's one of the things uh, that I hear. The other thing is every single, cause I bring this up all the time, how much, your environment triggers like your behaviors, right? Because for me, it was the same thing. It's like I was around, you know, those things and, and it was like, wow, it's, you know, this is the shiny object. Like these guys are driving the nice cars, you know, they're doing this, they're doing that. Like, uh-huh. man, I want that. Like I, I don't have shit. Right. So, uh, so, so it influenced that. And part of me going to the States was, was that like different environment. Now it's everything's different. I can kind of mold, you know, mold myself into different things, not being influenced externally by these other, uh, you know, but I would say by these factors, whether it's people, places or whatnot. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's why I would say your, you know, your gym becomes a safe haven for beyond like, yeah, I mean, you're getting better at sports perform, you know, you're at your sport and the strength and conditioning and whatnot, but it's almost more than that. Right. Cause it's a place that you get different seeds dropped in like different, mm-hmm. Hey, maybe you should look at your beliefs and, and they're not, you know, are they serving you? You know, yeah, I mean, I think if you pulled our kids, they would say the thing that they get the most out of our training is the conversations after training. And like, you know, you talk about like how legendary, um, you know, your garage gym was and like that, like that was a legendary thing. Like the kids, like, for example, Dale Boyd, who's one of my coaches now, is a kid that started in my program as a very young man. And we talk about like when I used to run my program out of, you know, an 1100 square foot high school weight room. He'll tell you all the kids that trained back in that time. They'll tell you the best thing was like, I might just shut a whole session down, sit everybody down and go in on a rant um, about something that I knew they needed to change or something that they needed to work on or some false um, ideal that they were chasing. And uh, they they love that stuff, man. And it was probably the most powerful thing that we did. Like it's never the the sets and the reps. You know what I mean? It's the conversations through that process. And the thing is that it's, it's, it's hard to sell that <laughs> indeed on the front end. But like when people come in, it's like, man, that might be the most value. I mean, the combination of obviously the expertise and that. But but for that, like you got to have you got to have the respect, though, because the mm-hmm. thing is, like, does anybody listen to you if you don't share your story? And people go like, damn, like, OK, maybe we should listen to this guy. Right. Yep. And um, I, that, that's why I also push you to get this story out more. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, because yeah. I don't think a lot of people even know. uh uh, not enough people know what you do, you know, where you come from, the kind of the story, uh, because one, it's I think it's inspirational. I think you're doing uh, amazing stuff. But like, that's the thing is like if people don't know. It's, it's like you tell the story and then the frame changes. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I, I do that. You know, our kids will go like, man, why should I listen to you? I'm like, well, all right, let me tell you my you don't need to. But let me right. tell you my story. And by the end, it's like, shit. Okay, you know, like now all of a sudden, like they listen, right? Yeah, you're one of the people that I think has kind of made me realize that, like, really my mess is my message. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I've heard, I don't know who said that. That's kind of a cliche thing that sticks in my head. But, um, you know, I was very worried about sharing my background because for a long time I wanted everybody to look at me as a perfect strength coach. I want to yeah. be a strength coach, right? 
And there's nobody I know that has kind of had the life experiences that I've had in the strength and conditioning industry. But I know there are other people out there that grew up in similar situations and around it that may want to get into the fitness industry. Or maybe they're like me where they're just not talking about it and they did experience it. Um, Or somebody that doesn't have a degree. You know, I became a father at 16 years old. So what I'm starting to realize, like, the more I put my message out there, it's going to help me attract people that are dealing with the same things. And again, if I can help those people, that that's what I want to be able to do. Yep. You know, I feel like I went through these things for reasons. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, the allure and the attraction of it all kind of like always pulled me towards that. But now I have the same allure and attraction on the opposite side of that, like helping other people avoid that way. Um, and, and if I can do that for just one kid, like keep them from going through like the strife and the headaches I've gone through, I mean, that that's a win. And, uh, you know, that that's why BCI is all about changing and impacting lives. And, you know, it's not just about, you know, exchanging money for training services. If I'm just training your kid, um, I'm not so sure I'm helping him. Um, yeah, I'm helping him physically. But through this training process, you can make somebody a better human. Did you get, did you go through, like, so I, I went through this phase, right? Like, where at the beginning, I wanted to be, it's like, you know, the best strength coach. So, like, I want to know, man, I want to know my numbers. I want to know my uh-huh. prioritization. I want to know, like, my coaching. Like all of that stuff. I was like, I want to be the best in the world at this stuff. Right. And then you started going into the, and and then it started being like, man, like, okay, now that I'm like, I'm I'm not, you know, I don't know everything, but like, I know a lot. I'm really good at this stuff. Competent. Yeah. I'm competent, you know, but I was like, man, but it's the impact still isn't the way that I want it to be. And it wasn't until, you know, I, I would say I'd have my own breakthroughs and revelations. And I did a lot of, uh, go through programs that helped me overcome stuff and like became better at coach, you know, coaching. What I mean by coaching doesn't just mean strength conditioning the coaching, act the act of like just helping people like kind of uh, see what they're doing, create awareness, you know, like maybe shift some perspectives that then, then I was like, man, our gym isn't, it's not what I thought it was. Right. Like we don't do what we think that we do. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, that's part of what we do, but getting people to, to change is, is a lot about like interpersonal skills, psychology, uh, storytelling, you know what I mean? Like leadership and understanding those, like how to, how to work with groups and teams and, and inspire and lead them and motivate them and stuff like that. You know, and, and to me, that's like, at that point in time, it was almost like I reentered the industry. You know what I mean? It was, it was like, I was like a baby again. And, and then I just dove in because I, I, and even like the first time that we met, like our conversations were so much different. And like, I, if you t- talk to me about BCI, you're, you're, what you would be saying would be so different. Right? Without a doubt. Oh, yeah. it, it, yeah. it would be like, oh, this, you know, this is what we do with these guys. This is what we do yeah. for dynamic warm up. Like yeah. that's all it would like. It that would be just all it. of that yep. stuff. That's it. And then other stuff was kind of like, oh, okay. Oh, uh, all right. I'm, I'm a little more interested in it. And now the conversation is like, it's almost, you know, we don't even talk about that stuff much. Mm-mm. Right. But it, it's all other stuff. Like, Man, how you're being able to because how many of your, you know, and you get a lot of guys that go to, you know, top colleges and and uh, and, uh, you know, also like NFL and, and become pro players. But in the grand scheme of things, it's really a small percentage without right? a, without yeah. a doubt. I mean, even even and like I said, your place, is one of the top places, but maybe I don't know, less than one percent or whatever. If you look at the grand scheme of the last 10 years, how many guys went to, to the league? Yeah. How many guys did you train? I mean, it's like peanuts. Right. Yep. And and so. The other, like, like those kids, the impact comes from the things that you're teaching them, right? And and we're going to go in a little bit into uh, what I really, like, I really, really like. That's why I wanted to talk, to talk about it is, um, you know, you guys is uh, the wheel and the code. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So so tell me a little bit more about this. So I'm, I'll kind of bring it up. So, you know, Andy, uh, we had a business mastermind, a big business mastermind for two days. Uh, then we had the Thibs and, and, uh, and uh, Russin seminar here. And I had Andy come in and speak because I thought there was, you know, that what he has to offer as far as building a great sports performance business for youth, like whether it's a standalone or, you know, in more situations to add on to your business. I was like, this will be great. And it ended up being fantastic. And so uh, Andy presented on the kind of like the orientation slash conversation that he has with parents and the kid when they come in to inquire about training at. Uh, at BCI and 
I, I thought it was fantastic and I'm uh, going to ethically steal it. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> as you should. As yeah, you should. I mean, I've I mean, stolen a the, lot from you. The, the, the concept, you know, the concept of it. But but tell, tell me a little bit about that, because I think if if even like from from this podcast, if any coach and I, I would even say this is beyond coaching. I think this is just for, for people presenting or, or creating their own um, framework of values and what matters to them in whatever context that this will be great. But just, just tell me a little bit yeah. about that. So we, what we call is we call it an intake interview. So if uh, if an athlete, regardless of who they are, eight years old, all the way up to the high school level, we intake our uh, collegiate and NFL guys a little bit differently, but in a similar process. But any of them that want to come uh, to the facility, they, they contact me or contact somebody on our staff and they, they have to sit down and they meet with me. Uh, that's a requirement. So even though I don't coach a lot of the athletes anymore other than the professionals, um, I want to meet with every kid that comes in the door. Mm-hmm. And it's an opportunity for me to share our message and kind of indoctrinate them into this culture. And a lot of what I share with them came from my experiences of investing in personal development. And um, I, it was so impactful to me that I wanted to like find a way to give that to kids. And the whole idea of values, like I remember when I first read um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People many, many years ago, the idea of like values driving all of your behavior. And if you can just figure out what you truly value and align that and make it congruent with your goals, you're going to be successful. Like that, that rocked me. It was almost like a literal blueprint of how to get what you want and be who you want. So with kids, I try to do that same thing. And when they come in, first thing I do is I literally just start communicating with the kid. Um, I, I introduce myself to the parents, but I immediately lock in on the kid because I want to make sure that this kid is here for him, that it's not mom and dad pushing him to do this because I know that's going to make our coach's jobs a lot harder. Um, and quite frankly, he's not going to get a lot out of it because he's not bought in. And I want him to know that he's important to me. I'm not just talking to the adults. So I zero in on him, ask about a lot of open-ended questions to kind of flush out, why are you here? And what about this is important to you? And kids have a really hard time articulating this usually. So I'll spend some time going over that and gathering all the information I need uh, to then give them this presentation. And after they're done, what I do is I, I, I let them know, so, hey, I've got all the information I need. I'm about to go in and explain our philosophy and our system in probably more detail than you ever want to know. Uh, it's going to take me about 35, 40 minutes. Please feel free to interject anytime you want, uh, but it's go time. And once I get a confirmation, I stand up, I get on our board, I draw a gigantic circle, I draw a really small circle in the middle of it, and then I draw the spokes to a wheel. And I say, so when I think about building an athlete, to me, this is synonymous to like building a gigantic wheel. And I say, you know, everything starts with that hub or that anchor in the middle. That's where all the spokes originate from and it's where they all connect. And for us, this is mindset. And we talk about mindset and we talk about growth mindset, fixed mindset, but I don't write mindset in the middle. I write the code. And for me, the code is a way for um, us to have like this very basic code that drives our behavior. And it's really simple. So what I explained to them is our code has three components and I actually hand them a card that has this on it. I usually give the parents one as well, because I want them to go through this with us. And our code is real simple. It's live your values, chase your goals and take relentless action moving towards it every single day. This is something I modified from Benjamin Franklin's pyramid of success. Yep. And I let the kid know like, now those are just words if we're not in agreement on like what a value is. So usually I ask the kid, like, so what's a value to you? And a lot of times they really can't articulate what a value is. So it's something that's important to me. And, you know, some kids are a little bit more aware than others. Um, and well, so here's my definition for a value. It's something you live for. It's something you stand for. And it's something that drives all of your behavior. And what I tell them then is I say, I, I want to like go a little bit deeper on this. So I ask them, you know, what would you do uh, or if your mom and dad needed you? Would you be there for them? Yes. You know, usually. For your brother and sister, like when they're not getting on your nerves, if they really needed you, would you be there for them? Yes. What about if your girlfriend dumped you, you failed a test, had the worst game of your life, but mom and dad needed you, would you still be there for them? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So that tells me you intuitively value family, okay? And to me, that's a value that a lot of us relate to, and it's an uncompromisable thing. Like a lot of us will not compromise on family, we'll do anything. But then there's these other values, and they're not supposed to be compromisable, but they are. And what I explained to them is that it's a lot like honesty. And, you know, like a lot of people consider themselves honest people, but they still aren't truthful all the time. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. Just means they don't live the value of honesty. The reason I provide that contrast is because the three core values that we impress into every kid 
are things they've heard since they're eight years old. Discipline, dedication, and desire, okay? Those words in and of themselves don't have enough meaning for those kids to see it as something that they should uh, integrate into their life and use as a way to drive the appropriate behavior. So then I try to go into more context. Like I tell them that desire is the currency of action. So like whatever desire that you feed, the outcome is going to be closely aligned to that. And we talk about strategies to do it. I give them affirmation statements and I make a recommendation on when they should do this every day. Um, I tell them about dedication and this definition comes directly from Satamagali and uh, Warrior Guys, um, which I, was a great program for me and definitely influenced the way I deliver this message. Um, but <clears throat> the definition was simple is do what you said you would do, <laughs> but do it despite your stories, right? Your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and your moods. This is an opportunity for me to set the frame for the kid about what we expect. It's like, listen, I know it's going to be hard for you to get here, but if you're really dedicated, um, when you think you don't have the time because you have so much homework, you're going to do it anyway. Like if you don't feel like coming, that's a sign that you need to do it anyway. If you're not in the mood to do it, sign you need to come. And I say this in front of mom and dad too, because we know who little Johnny's going to go to when he doesn't want to come, right? Little Johnny's going to go to mom and say, mom, I'm not in the mood to go today or whatever. And, you know, I want mom and dad to hear this from me too. I want to know, like, we expect them to be dedicated and we expect them to be here. And then I go into discipline and it, just, it happens to be that I have the word discipline tattooed across my back. I've had it there for many, many years when I was going through that transitional period in my life. Uh, and if you talk to my friends, they kind of laughed at me when I first uh, got it tattooed because I had no discipline. I was just wild and reckless. Uh, but I had enough awareness to know that I needed it and that discipline did pay off in some areas of my life. So I share with them like what discipline means to me. And it's, it's never being or never going through the motions, like being allergic to going through the motions. So and I tell them, so like whether I'm dealing with you or I'm dealing with an NFL guy, I'm going to give you the same amount of me. Now, what this means for you is there's going to be some things that are challenging in our system uh, that you may not understand or you may not be completely bought in on. And what you need to do is be disciplined to not go through the motions. Like you need to develop a level of competence here. And it's our job to get you there. But you've got to communicate with us about what you don't know. And then after I go through that, I say, look, I know, I know you guys probably did not think you were coming here for this. Okay. But this is the most important conversation I could have with you today, because if you can wrap your brain around this and, and like really make it a part of your life, I can have you do body weight squats, jumping jacks and pushups, and you're going to get a lot out of it. Um, so your training has to be anchored to something and we anchor it to our code. And then I go through the spoke of the wheel and I talk about strength, hypertrophy, power. I talk about flexibility and the myths associated with it. I talk about mobility, linear speed, change of direction, energy system development, the role that SPP plays in the training process and what to really focus on. Because so many kids these days have a pitching coach, a batting coach, uh, you know, a, a basketball dribbling coach, uh, a shooting coach. It's just things have gotten very specialized. And to me, I put all that in the bucket of SPP, anything technical and tactical. Um, and I let parents know, like, look, this is just one spoke on the wheel. And in certain sports like basketball, baseball, uh, soccer, like they really overvalue yep, the like technical, tactical, right, without the general physical side of things. And I let them know that, like, my goal, like you already usually have a, if I'm dealing with a kid, usually they have a relatively high SPP or skill set, I should mm -hmm. just say. My goal is to raise their GPP. And that's not to even those things out. It's to help drive their specific abilities higher by improving their general fitness qualities. And kids these days are just, they're, they're out of shape. They're not, uh, they're not what they could be. So, um, you know, focusing on general fitness as opposed to specific things has a lot of value. And then I go into recovery and regeneration. That's the final thing I talk about. And I let them know that it's equally as important as all the work that you do. And it's an opportunity for me to talk about like how cell phones and social media affect you and affect your sleep, um, how they trigger you and trigger emotions that can take you away from the things that are most important to you. Um, I talk about strategies to get better sleep, you know, the uh, temperature of the room, how the room should be blacked out, get all electronics out, create an environment that when your brain walks in, it says, I go to sleep here. Because most kids, what do they have? <clears throat> TV, computer, cell phone. So when they walk in, their brain's like, man, I don't know if it's a party or like if it's time to go to bed. And kind of, you know, separating that, has a lot of value. Now, I will warn anybody that is listening to this that when you're saying this, watch the kid's body language. <laughs> Once you start talking about this, you can make him feel like you're about to ruin his life. <laughs> so, you know, I always say, look, <clears throat> I think you should consider doing this. Like, I'm not telling you to do it. Like, I think you should consider doing it because of the value that I see behind it. So, and at that point in time, usually after I complete this, I have a pretty good idea of how bought in they are. 
So after I'm done going through that, I explain our system and we use what we call the R6 method. I stole the R1 through R6 framework yep, from a good buddy, thing. Mike Robertson. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was kind of brilliant. I mean, yeah. I, I like, you know, alliterations as a whole. Um, I just think it's a good way to communicate messages. That's yep. why I did my five C's. Um, but uh, it creates a simple language that makes everything we do easy to explain. Uh, like people don't care about the intricacies of myofascial release. But if I say we're going to release some tension because that's going to allow me to get you in a better position later on, um, people can connect to that yep. easier. And then I sit down and lit- so based on the information I got up front, the things that I could pull through my presentation, uh, the specificity I added into it, I then sit down and I make a prescription on how they should train with us. Um, one of the things that I think is a problem in our industry and a lot of coaches that I talk to is the client comes in and tells them what they need. I need three days a week of speed and agility. But do you? Like if you have a basketball coach these days and you're practicing AAU and it, I don't know, maybe, maybe you need two days a week of just what we do. Um, so I, I always give them two options and I prescribe uh, options that are in line with what I believe. So I never prescribe short-term options. I always prescribe a 12-month option uh, that is kind of either a set deal, like three days a week, two days a week, um, based on their schedule and what they've told me. And then I'll give them an option of what we call a split contract because one of the biggest problems of keeping people uh, in your gym is the seasonal damage from sports. So like when kids go in season, um, usually they stop training and we both know that's a problem. So we created this thing we call it a split contract. So in your off season, you're going to train with us three to four days a week. When you go in season, it's going to be one to two days a week. In this split, it just happened. Like they don't have to think about it. They know that when we identify that date, so like for football players, usually September one is when they go to in season. So they know at that point in time, their contract changes, they get a reduction in their monthly uh, fee and, and we're able to still continue to serve them instead of hoping that they figure out a way to do some strength training with their team in season, uh, which I don't like to count on. So, and you're, but it, I mean, there's a bunch of because I, I I listen and I'm like almost taking mental notes here. You know what I mean? But uh, number one, with that 12 month thing, I think it's brilliant. Uh, I think most people are. That's why I, I'm glad that you brought it up for anybody that's listening that you know runs a gym, especially once once to and or is running a sports performance program. Because I hear this a lot. Yeah. Well, this is our biggest problem, right? Uh, a couple of things, right? You set the frame. So the frame is like, this is how we do things around here, right? Mm-hmm. And if somebody doesn't like it, 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 they might not be a good fit. But you set the frame to where it's like, well, look, this is because that's what I say here. I'm like, we're developing this individual, like a three month plan for them to go for nine months, six months. You know, that's I mean, maybe better than nothing, but that's not our beliefs. Like, that's right. not what we believe in. So you get an option. It's like all year like this or are all year split. But you're still going to be training because yeah. now the foundation is. I mean, it's integrity because the foundation is what you believe in. You're like, no, nah, kids should be training the whole time. Just maybe, you know, it switches up. Uh, so, so that's one thing. The other thing is the importance of setting a frame for like what you're about. Because your presentation ends up being like, look, this is who we are. This is how we do things. Like this is how this is going to get you to where you want to go. And I don't think enough people do that. Uh, so we have obviously orientations, but I'm going to, cause, cause you know, Andy's wheel, like if you think about like the wheel is it, it, fantastic because you can, if for instance, somebody might be going like, ah, okay, I run a gym. I don't really train athletes. I'm like, okay, cool. Change the wheel. Like what's right. your code, yep. right? What's your code? And like, you know, you might not have like North South speed or center, you know, a change of direction, but you might have, you know, movement quality and mm-hmm. mobility and, sure. you know, nutrition, supplementation, you know, stress, sleep, whatever, whatever your belief is, whatever the spokes are. And, and you could literally go, you know, I could take the wheel that you talk about and go like, well, that's our sports performance part of things. But when we get, you know, people in for general population here, you know, the code is the same, but here's the spokes. Yeah. Right. And and because I, I love like, vi- you know, visual things and to be able to present that because that people get that. Yeah. They go like, this is the wheel that makes everything turn. It's like, man, if spokes are missing, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to go as good. You can yep. break down. Won't be but efficient. It, and, and, all, and the f- foundation of it all is the code. You got to figure out your code. And the, the reality is most people have not. That's right. So the lessons here are, you know, really figure out your values and like what you're basing your whole business on. And if, even if it's not business, like just what are you basing your own, you know, life on essentially. That's where this came from. It's like the change in me. The change in yourself. Is what yeah. kind of this evolved into is like. 
if I like reflect back on who I was as a kid, like what would have impacted me? Like if I had walked into a program like this at 13 years old, it probably would have prevented all the other things that I talked about. Right. Because especially if the person delivering the message was somebody that I would have been able to respect. Mm -hmm. And that could have been incredibly impactful for me. And I, I think if you don't do something like this, where you're educating people on like what the best practice is, like relative to year round training and what you do, you end up setting yourself up for what we're calling the intermittent athlete, where like you might train this kid for four years, but you only see him three months each year, right? So freshman year, you get him three months in the summer, he goes into the season. He might come back maybe the next year in the spring, but because now he's on an AAU basketball team, you don't see him in the summer. And then, you know, you do this for four years. And in one year, if I've only trained him in three month intervals or in four years, if I only trained him in three month intervals, I got one year of training under my belt with this kid. And I think it's like 36 months of missed growth opportunity. Whereas if you have some framework like this, that you show them that we believe that you must train year round to get the best results. And then you don't move off that. Um, You know, you can end up getting a kid for four, five, six years. Like we literally have kids that have trained with us consistently six to eight years, you know, all the way through their entire, what I call client life cycle. And um, you know, these are the kids that it's very clear to see they got the best results. They made the most change in their life. They really grew at a really high level. So that's, I think that's the point is like this intake interviews about setting the framework for who you are, what you're about and making sure you're indoctrinating them, you know, into what you do as a whole. But it's also about making sure that you can serve them at the highest level and influence their decision when it comes to what package they're going to choose. Because most people just kind of want to like stick their foot in the water and try stuff out we know that that's going to limit results right there to begin with. And it's just not what's best for your kid. There, there's plenty of research out there that shows intermittent training is actually damaging for yep. you. And uh, I forgot where I read it, but somebody gave a great analogy where it's like, you know, if you were trying to climb to the top of a mountain, right? Elite health and fitness or speed and agility or strength and power, whatever. If you were climbing that mountain, like you wouldn't climb up <clears throat> like, all right, I'm gonna go all the way back down to the bottom after these three months and then try to climb again, right? You might go here now, get out your sleeping bag, sleep, right? And then you keep climbing, you keep climbing. And there's going to be adversity and stuff that comes with it, but you just figure it out. And that's what we want kids to do. Like, you don't want to start over every year. Like, stay with this thing consistent, even if that means you only come two days a week. Like, you can cover a lot of ground with kids if they're coming two days a week. Um, And a very low or moderate intensity low volume approach. Like you still get it. You can cover a lot of ground with kids that way. And so, I mean, it's a very similar mentality. Like maybe it's a, it's somewhat different, but really the end result is the same with general fitness population where, you know, we talked about pause button mentality, mm-hmm. right? It's like go hard, lose weight, uh, kind of fall off. But, you know, obviously because of behavior change things and that fall off ends up being going back to step one or even minus one. Right. Right. And then yeah. it's, the, you know, then it becomes harder and harder. It's like, you know, Sisyphus, like <laughs> carrying the rock up the mountain. Right. Like, right. And with kids, it's very similar because it's like, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm getting this result and then I'm going into the season. And I think the mindset sometimes is, well, but I'm playing sport. But playing sports is not going to maintain, you know, your 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 strength capabilities, your maybe maybe your energy systems. But like, you know, it's not going to continue to improve your mobility. It's not going right. to. Right. So you got to you, when you get there. Maybe you go like, okay, maintenance mode, but maintenance mode is still work. Maybe it's not four days yeah. a week of training, but it's one or two doing the right things. And then when you do come back next year, now you've only, you're where you were, or maybe even a little bit ahead or worst case scenario, like a little behind. Yeah. But now you can build on that versus coming back to, you know, the same place that you started all over again. Yeah. Right. Cause that's like frustrating psychologically. It's, you know, it, and then people are beat up. So when they come back, you got to get them to ground zero sometimes. They can't even work to get ahead. And right? like what you said, when they come back, usually they're not as motivated. Okay. So now you risk the chance of not seeing that kid again. Yeah. Right. But if you yeah. can set them up on the right program that's best for him up front, you have a much better chance of impacting this kid and really helping him. And it's number one, it's it's a good business practice, right? Consistent revenue. Uh, but it's what's best for the kid. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just have, and I, I've had it, you know, the scarcity mentality. They're worried about losing a sale because of pressing that you need them for 12 months. Um, but like, I've just made peace with that. Like if there's somebody's not willing to commit to that, I understand we'll default down to like a three month option, but it's going to be significantly more expensive. Um, you know, I, I just think that's important that you also have like your program has to be able to accommodate the varying schedules and the complexity of the overscheduled kid. And so we, we've got a couple strategies there that really help keep kids in the game. Because let's say a kid chooses a two day a week plan. 
Um, but you know, he has a test the next day. So he does have to study, right? Like yeah, for yeah. real, it's finals yeah. week, right? Yeah. Or something happens. Like when you're only seeing people two days a week, like they have to be there. And like, I don't know if I'm, you might've been the guy I heard this from, but like if somebody comes to your gym, like eight times or less in a month, there's a 50% chance you're going to lose them. Yeah. So you want to find ways to make sure that they're showing up. And like, we have a very flexible schedule. We have multiple time slots based on, we've evaluated you and you, we say you're a development an acceleration or an elite guy. Mm-hmm. And we have multiple time frames for those. Um, and they can use all of them. And if you're normally a Tuesday, Thursday guy, but you miss Tuesday, well, you can come on Wednesday as long as that class isn't maxed out. But, um, that, that rarely happens actually. So, um, that's another part of it is like making sure that, you know, not only the intake interview, you set the frame for what's best, but on the back end, you've made sure that your systems allow people to be in your business. And so you can serve them at the highest level. And the thing, well, you know, one of the things that I think that you make a great point about is like, you have to understand the market or, or should I say who you're working with? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause you end up going like, okay, well, you know, this is the people we work with if they miss or, or if they got this going on, we got to find another scenario, another solution for them. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so that way you're prepping for this because a lot of people don't do this, right? No, Thinking agree. about like, the, like okay, who, who are we training? Like, what are the things that can make things easier for them? Because there's a lot of stuff going on that's, that's, that's overwhelmed, right? So it, even for me, like with this new location, I think about like, okay, well, if they can get a, you know, healthy smoothie or we have meal delivery service, like, and if they're, you know, banged up and they can go to see, you know, Dan Swinsco or Dr. Brett or whatever, and because automatically, as soon as you tell somebody they got to drive 10, 15 minutes, that you, that it's going to, you know, you're, you're going to drop off when it comes to consistency and compliance. Right. Or it's, it's like, hey, go home and order this stuff. And then on the way home, they get home, they see a bill, the kids run up like game over. Triggered, like yeah, done. Yeah. You forget about it. You know, and then a week later, like, oh, shit, I got to do that. Right. How can we change the environment as much as possible to, to influence that behavior? Um and so, like, you know, to, to me, that's like you've done it in a sense of for your market, which which now is not just obviously sports performance, right. but general fitness. And, uh, and I think that's a big lesson to take. Right. Like, think about, you know, putting yourself in the shoes of the person that you're coaching, training. Like I said, once again, whether this is fitness or anything else uh, and then look through those eyes and then you'll see things differently. Which, uh, which then brings me to like, cause I wanted to go like, you know, the five C's that you mentioned, cause yep. I think that was another great, and, and the reason why I love this because, okay, in, in fitness business, I always talk about this, uh, or any business, like you have to be able to grow organically mm-hmm. to, you know, to me, like organic growth is actually the, uh, it's almost like the precursor to, uh, if you don't have any organic growth, like referrals, word of mouth, things like that. And you want to, you know, fuel it with a ton of like advertising and stuff like that. You may get some results, but there's a huge red flag there. Like, yeah. why don't you have organic growth, right? That, that's a huge question. Um, and, you know, you had a, a ton of organic growth and you put it into work. It, I'm just saying, like, the, you know, there wasn't like this paid advertising no. behind it um, to, to grow your place before you started adding fuel to the fire, right? And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that if you are in business, you got to ask yourself, like, hey, what's going on here? Like, don't point fingers at the, 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 at the economy, at the marketplace or whatever. You got to point your fingers yourself and go like, hey, what am I not doing right? Do I need to get better, more competent? Do I need to treat people better, you know, better culture, whatever it is uh, that people are not talking about this, right? But I think the five C's covered that well as, as far as like becoming a great coach, uh, creating community and culture. But like, if you could talk a little bit about that, I thought that was fantastic yeah. too. So to me, the way I look at my five C's pyramid is it's like, <clears throat> it's not a defined process or an ascending pyramid where like, you just kind of, okay, I start here on the floor and then I go to the next and I go to the next. It's this like empirical adaptive process, together. right? Yeah, it, yeah. it works together and it's constantly evolving and you got to change it. Um, and to me, so the, the, the floor is competence. And this comes from my experience. I don't have a degree. Um, I've never worked for anyone else in the fitness industry. I've only, so I've never had a, you know, uh, where I got to work for someone else and learn through them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, because of that, I felt this great like need to be competent. So I never cared about Mark. We were even talking like when the Ryan Lee stuff became popular, like I almost looked down on that stuff. Like, Oh, you're going to do the Ryan Lee boot camp, And now I realize how ignorant that was. It was completely stupid, but I was so focused on being competent. That's 
all I could focus on. And I feel like today, a lot of young trainers are skipping that. Like they want to be competent in marketing before they want to be competent as a coach. Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to get exposed at some point, either through your clients or through the trainers that are working for you. Like when people don't see that you're really competent, now their desire to level up is going to be diminished a little bit. So to me, that's the foundation of everything. You have to be really competent. Now, before I go to the other stuff, like the end game, though, is a community, right? So the tip of the pyramid is like, through all of these things, you'll eventually develop this organic community who will constantly serve you, refer you business, sing your praises, tell your story. Um, and they, they just become a, a part of you and your team. Now, in between there, like the, the level up from competence is your connections. And to me, I mean, I, I joke around and tell people like Luca might be the most connected guy in fitness, like, and that, that helps you in many areas. Right. And if you, if you can be like the most connected guy in your market, in your area with high school coaches, youth coaches, uh, principals, board of education, all these other like ancillary organizations that, that can send you business, like you're going to do really well. And I talk about, you know, in this presentation, a lot of the strategies that I've used to build my network and it's centered around one strategically identifying people and then building relationships. But it's also very much around being willing to do free work and, and like show people who you are and what you're about. And I know the gurus tell you that that's not always smart, uh, but I've made my name on doing free work for people and uh, doing free work gave me the opportunity to build my skill set. So it was certainly valuable for me, um, even though there wasn't an exchange of money. But what it's done for me is like planted these seeds of goodwill that now are exploding and flourishing. And um, I think that's something that we got to do. And but you got to understand when you're doing that, there has to be a message that doesn't conflict with the people who are ultimately the gatekeepers. So for mom and dad, like I don't know if mom and dad really care how fast their kid is, but if you can make their kid a better human being, that's something of value to them. Mm -hmm. um, and when it comes to high school coaches, the minute you go to them and you're like, look, you, you got to send your kids to me you're essentially telling them you don't trust them and you don't believe their program is any good. And you tell a high school strength coach that it's a wrap. He can be very divisive and keep, over, yep. yeah, it's, it's a wrap. So what we try to tell coaches is, listen, we are not trying to be the show. We're the supplement to everything that you do. And this had, this changed the way I trained kids. Like going back in the day, we're five rep max and three rep max and very West side influenced um, type of program. And I started realizing like, what am I doing? These kids are already doing this stuff at school. Like mm -hmm. there's gotta be a better way. And that leads me to communication. Communication is the next phase of it. It's how you communicate your message to parents, coaches, and athletes. What is your philosophy? What is your belief system? And then how does that trickle down to programming, evaluation, assessment, uh, and all those things? Um, and I, I talk about, like, when it comes to communicating, you're going to have ideal situations and non-ideal. So, like, an ideal situation would be you get a kid, he goes to a high school, uh, and he's got a really competent strength coach. Okay. And you understand how that guy programs and you can reach out to him and he tells you what he's doing and you kind of fill in the gaps more often than not, you're going to have a non-ideal situation. So you need to have some overarching theme to regulate volume, regulate intensity, taking into account competing adaptations and the things that are ultimately a problem when you're dealing with uh, somebody who's running a program that doesn't know what they're doing. Yep. And we've got some good strategies in place there that I think have a lot of value. Um, and then after communication, it's culture. And like culture, I learned more about culture probably last November than I did in my whole life when I went to go see uh, Mark Fisher on, on your recommendation. Um, and I, what I realized is we had done a lot of stuff naturally that formed our culture. And I think what Mark says is brilliant. Like you use your values to kind of create this space for culture to evolve. And our values and the way that um, I look at the training process has allowed our culture to evolve in something pretty cool. Like I joke around and say like, we're the cool kids lunch table. Like we're like, where all the elite athletes in our area want to train. And because of, and I shouldn't say all, there's a couple that don't, <laughs> there's a couple that don't. Um, but you know, the, because those kids train with us now, all the other kids that want to be like those kids train with us. And you know, there, there's a lot of value in that. And our culture is really unique. We've got these elite kids and then we've got these not elite kids and everybody works together, um, helping everybody level up. Right. And then, you know, from there, like I said, the end game is the community. And like right now we've got, you know, orthopedic companies that send us business. We just, you know, locked up a deal with Adidas that we, we still got to finalize the details, but I'm, I'm very optimistic and excited about that and what it can do for us. Um, but like our community is huge and it's, it's a part of the adult fitness side of things. It's, um, it, it's the organizations we deal with. It's the athletes we deal with, the schools, the strength coaches, 
And all of them are a part of our community and we treat them that way. So we're not trying to take from any of these people. We're constantly just trying to serve, 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 serve. And that's kind of a, you know, 10,000 foot view of the five C's. But it's, but that, man, that's dope. Like take notes, take notes. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, but the thing is like, like you said, like when we to both talk about the Mark, uh, Mark Fisher speaking, which everybody should definitely yeah. go, uh, enter, enter, is it a business for unicorns? Business for so unicorns. Check yep. that out. I'll put the link in there. But, um, you know, Mission plus values plus people equal equals culture. And I think that's really important for people to dig into because, like, you know, you created a culture. And, and, and like I said, like what, you know, we talk about West Side Barbell. It's like you think about West Side Barbell, Barbell it's like a really small gym. Like there nothing about like the equipment of this or yeah. that or the other. Like what you'd say, like, oh, it's amazing or whatever. But it's the culture that's created there. Like there's there's a winning culture. There's a, you know, a, a culture of. I'm going to be the best. You know what I mean? That's why I have so many world records. So I, you know, I think that there needs to be more emphasis. Like now I'm moving to like, like 11 years later and moving to this building, like really caring about all the little things and you know, the, the equipment and the murals and, and whatever. Um, but that doesn't help you if you don't have the, the values and the foundation and the culture. That's right. right. And, and I think that that gets developed, like I said, through a lot of the things that you're talking about, you know, competence, connections. Like I said, uh, to me, to me, connections is also how you I put it, like how you treat people. With right. It, you know, how it, you it, connect with. Exactly. Like, hey, I want to be the best for my clients. Hey, I want to connect the best and be able to communicate the best with my clients and, and like co- connect them as well as like me connecting to others. Right. And you start building that up. And like that kind of like is a big part of what builds culture, which then builds community and uh and if you take those into account, the reason why I want to bring it up is because I don't, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what business you're in. I don't care if you don't have a business. Like you can learn from that because if you really focus on those, that's the process. And then the process opens up, you know, you didn't go like, hmm, I'm going to try to get Adidas deal. Like, the, the, you know, like these yeah. things happen because of the process being like you're just focusing on the mastery of these these five C's. That's right. And then these other things happen. And I think, too, like when you get to this point where where stuff starts happening for you, right, whatever that means, you know, what I mean, like no, I get it because uh, people are like, oh, man, you got all these things going on now. I think it's really important to continue to focus on those those foundational things, because otherwise, you know, it, it, this I've seen I've seen a lot of people where it's like things start getting good and then they forget about like these values and foundation, you know, foundational things yeah. that got them there. Like you can't ever let go of those. Yeah, that's a, that's one of the things that actually like sits in the back of my mind is like, you know, for all business, maybe not all business owners, but I think most of us that like really want to be entrepreneurs at some point, we got to face the fact that we've got to get out of our business to allow our business to grow and help other people within the organization flourish and become, you know, bigger parts of it. And that's kind of been my concern is like, okay, when I remove me, how do we stay true to all this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like kid Dale that works for me, like he grew up in my program. He's, he's indoctrinated into the culture. You know, I've got one coach been with me five, six years. He's indoctrinated into the culture. Um, and I think as I step away, other people are going to have to like shape it more. Mm-hmm. And I think as long as the foundational message is the same, right? Like we use our code, we use those values to drive the behaviors we want. And then we have best practices in place to train, I think the culture will, will stand and it'll just have more of their personality kind of ingrained into it as I'm not around as much. And I'm okay with that because I think culture is an evolving thing. And as long as we never get too far away from who we are, um, I see no negative in it. I, yeah, I honestly think like uh, with what you said, like, you know, when people say movements get started, mm-hmm. but like movements take on a life of their own. Right. That's right. And. And I think the only thing that you can do is like stay true to all the things, you know, your 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 values, uh, your mission, your vision and like all the rest of the stuff kind of like organically evolves around it and like goes in the right direction if the foundation is right. Mm-hmm. And where it starts going wrong is if, you know, good things starts to happen, great things starts to happen and you start getting away from those those great foundational values that got you there. That's you right. know, and that happens. I mean, like I've been there, so I'm like not pointing fingers because I've been there, but. Um, you know, so that, that's why to me, it was like this conversation was, 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 uh, you know, I wanted to bring it up because you have so many things that are like, Hey, here's the things that are foundation you need to put in place. And then on top of that, like you can start, you know, obviously going the marketing route and like all this other, you know, all these other things that do matter that are important. I mean, we talked about, you know, branding and storytelling and story brand and all these different things this, this past weekend. Um, but none of that works without the foundation. Yeah. Right. 
like think about your story, like the story brand stuff you were teaching us um, is incredibly valuable. But if you don't have a story that, you know what I mean? Like we got to start <laughs> well, yeah. with building competence in this experience. And Correct. then you've got a story that people connect to. Like if your story is, I opened a business. I got really good at Facebook ads. I drove a hundred leads in here and I got fit. Like that's not that's a not, story that people story. care about. And it's know? almost, you know, for, you know, for, for, for both of us, it's like, I started kind of like connecting the dots, looking back. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, where, Me too. where it's just like focusing <laughs> on being the best I could possibly be. And then you look back and go, like, Oh shit. Okay. Now mm-hmm. this makes sense. Right. But it, it, cause, cause, uh, I asked, uh, I asked Joe D in the last, uh, so we, we were uh, doing a podcast. It was uh, on, on Jay Ferruja's show with, uh, uh, Joe DeFranco. And, you know, he kind of told his story and I asked him, I said, Hey, do you think, you know, do you think if right there at the beginning you'd have a coach, right? Uh, a modern fitness business coach, right? That things would have evolved that way, you know, because I don't know if they would for me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I went into Pat's thing, you know, pretty. I mean, I've been in Masterminds for like eight years, but you know, sometimes how people go like, no, 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 like, man, run these funnels and run this do and do all this. But th- to me, that's like organically, you gotta you gotta figure your shit out. Like, yeah. you gotta know who you are, and you gotta be able to 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 be so good that they can't ignore you to a certain degree. You know how big that is. I'm not, you know, saying like there's a specific number associated, but with like the first year, like you should be getting more people to talk about you and getting referrals and getting people in because the quality of the work that you do is that good. Right. And people go like, man, I I really like this. I like the environment. I love the culture before you start adding stuff. And I think nowadays you really kind of get this thing. We're like, I'm going in industry. Like, what's my thing? That's right. It's like. Okay, you know I'm gonna hire you to tell me what my thing is, and it's like no, no, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, like, yeah, you see, people. you know what I mean? Like, uh, purpose is is not found; it's forged. Th- think you know about I mean? the forged fires, like, uh, man. Th- so I, like you said, like think about it. I, maybe I'll answer this different than Joe did. But um, first of all, Joe's been a great influence to me. I think he's a one of the most influential people in in the game. But I guarantee you, if he had a business coach way back when I was reading his stuff. They would have been t- telling him to do the opposite of what he was doing. They did. Yeah, he was that's so that's the crazy. Yeah, that's you know the crazy I mean? thing. Like, is like we were talking about when he did, uh, you know, Joe DeFranco's Q and A, and you remember that. I mean, yeah. it's like pff, I don't know, like incredible a information given away for free. Yeah, and, and that's it, what everybody says you need to do. Yeah, yeah. now, now it's like <laughs> right. the content thing that I'm, I'm, I'm always like, hey, the content thing. And, yeah. and but it's, you know, the funny thing is, it's like, man, ten, you know, ten years ago, I, I wrote content, right, and. And it's like, and, and at the beginning, I mean, for the first year or two, it didn't like, it looked like it didn't matter. Right. Sure. And then people noticed, but same thing, like back then the, the, the message was different. It was like, ah, you know, like the sales and this and that, and like Groupons and whatever. And every, you know, everything had its, had its place and its purpose. But, uh, you know, what really he was doing, like what I was doing is like just giving a lot of value for nothing. Right. Yeah. I mean, just kind of like that give, 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 give. And to where people start going like, wow, okay. Man, you're giving a lot. You're not asking for anything, right? So when when the time came and I was like, you know, I even launched the garage gym for all the people. And then back then, like I said, no email list, no nothing, mm-hmm. right? It was just like I just went physically and in person emailed people like that I influenced. And I said, hey, look, I'm starting a you know a boot camp. Like it's a two week trial, right? And 18 people ended up showing up, and I think we signed up like nine after that two week trial. And I had a business, right? I mean. Uh, with a five or six thousand dollar startup, startup, right? right so, right. you know, and then every my whole focus after that, like, literally, was to make it incredible. Yeah. That I, I didn't think about or 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 think like anything else, probably for the first year. I mean, I talk about it like naturally. I storytell about it. Like, I'd ask you know people come in. I'd ask people to bring their friends in. Like, we did the charity boot camps. Mm-hmm. That was big. But I, I didn't go and sit down and 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 I'm not saying like that's wrong. I'm just t- like saying that like. I automatically follow these five C's in, in, in many ways and yeah. try to just be the absolute best and create an experience and be different. You know what I mean? Um, and then naturally this kind of like progression of everything else happened. So, uh, you know, both from like Andy's story, my story, uh, I hope that you get context from this and you get some lessons from this that, uh, you know, m- maybe you're kind of, you know, putting a car in front of the horse. Right. And so, um, and I, and I say that with 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 empathy and no judgment, because like right. I said, we we fucked up a lot of stuff in our lives. Made stupid uh, but you know, to learn from it, to learn from it, because I I do see certain trends that are are doing exactly that. It's like, hey, how can I, you know, be different and be cool and do all this other stuff, but without having those, you know, competence and and connection and communication and culture. 
And it's like, man, it's going to be tough. Like <laughs> straight really up, is. straight up. It's just going to be tough. And even if, if shit happens long term, it's going to be difficult. Uh, and, you know, these are the businesses that go out of business usually uh, pretty fast. So uh, with that said, man, I could talk to you forever. Right? This is For a, sure. We, got we a can, lot we of can talk. Talk about. <laughs> but you got to catch the flight. Indeed. So uh, thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Uh, oh, just let, let us know. Where can, they, where, where can people find out a little bit more about you uh, or, or BCI? Yeah, I think the best place to find out more about me is probably Facebook. That's the one platform that I'm uh, really active on. Uh, and it's just my name, Andy McCloy. Uh, you can also find our business page at uh, Body Creation Sports Performance and Fitness. Um, I'm on Instagram as Andy McCloy dot BCI or underscore BCI. Underscore BCI. Something like that. It's underscore BCI. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm on Snapchat too, but I'm, I'm really going to focus more on Facebook uh, and Instagram now yep. per our conversations. Yep, correct. <laughs> so uh, that's probably the best place for people to find me. Um, and I'm always open to talking and helping people, man. So uh, if anybody wants to reach out, I'm here. And uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll make sure that Andy in the next uh, months – is developing a program to help people add sports performance to their business because this is some way. shit that he's really, really good at. And uh, I've been kicking his ass about like doing it because uh, he got a lot to offer. So mm-hmm. with that said, love and appreciate you. Hey, if you love the podcast, please go leave a review. I'd, uh, you know, I'd really, really appreciate it. Like, you know, write your thoughts or whatnot. But, um, you know, the reviews, when you when you give a review, like it helps spread the message and more poor people listen to the podcast. And if you think it has value, it's going to have value for other people, too. So I'd really appreciate that. You can obviously subscribe on YouTube, iTunes. Um, and you know, follow us on also all the platforms, but love and appreciate you. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.